Ask anyone to list the most esteemed, valued, cherished aspects of human character development. We can be sure kindness will be somewhere at the very top of the list. Here's the question. Is it possible for a person to be involved in bestowing kindness every waking moment of his life? Sounds like quite a bizarre question. Maybe wondering, how could that possibly be possible? Well, let us examine a couple of sources that uh, may give us some inkling into this question, to its answer. The Medrash in Vayikra, chapter 34, brings the following episode actually two episodes, concerning Hillel, the great Talmudic sage, who, after finishing delivering his lecture to his students, was walking, they were accompanying him, and they saw that he was hurrying, as if to hurry to perform some important good deed. And they asked him, where is our master going? And he said, I'm going to perform a great mitzvah, a great important good deed. And they asked him, what good deed are you going to perform? Hillel answered, I'm going to wash in the bathhouse. And they asked, is this indeed a good deed? And Hillel said, yes, and we can prove this from what we see in our society. The statues of the king are placed in the theaters, in the coliseums, all places of public gathering. And those who are in charge of washing them, and of keeping them nice and shiny and good looking, get a very good salary. They're awarded great honor. They're placed in the high places in the government. All because this is a means of giving honor to the king, which the statue represents. Well, in that case, said Hillel, all the more so, it is a great good deed to cleanse the body, which is the home, so to speak, which houses the human soul, which is created in the image of the Almighty. And this is an act of great importance great value. But fascinatingly, this Medrash starts off by quoting a verse in Mishle in Proverbs chapter 11, which states, one who bestows good to himself is a man of kindness. It seems that Hillel's action of caring for himself was not simply focused on giving honor to the Almighty, but it was an action as described by the Medrash of caring for himself. And the Ace Joseph in his commentary elaborates that there were those very pious people who viewed the body with all its desires, with all its needs, 
essentially as an enemy of the spiritual aspect of a person. Essentially in an adversarial relationship. And it was necessary to in a certain sense attack the body. Even disregard its needs as a way of reducing its influence. As a way of giving primacy to the spiritual component of a person. And Yosef says, this was not the way of Hillel. This was not Hillel's path. Hillel had a different approach. Hillel's approach was to care for the physical needs, just like one would care for another individual. Hillel saw beautifying the physical part of a person, caring for it as an act of kindness, akin to bestowing kindness to another individual. The same characteristic, the same good quality that applies to other people, Hillel applied and employed and utilized with regard to himself. And he adds that he was not intending for his own pleasure but rather he was having compassion. It was an act of compassion. Now certainly he does not mean that Hillel undertook a mindset of a real split, splitting off his physical existence from his spiritual as if it was totally distinct and separate. Then it wouldn't even contain the aspect of giving honor to it for honoring the soul because it's totally separate and split off. And there wouldn't be any place for compassion. The body by itself is inanimate. Isn't even essentially a cause for compassion. Of course, Hill was viewing himself as one fully integrated being. But he was viewing the physical needs of the person, even himself, as the one where the quality of compassion and kindness could be employed. I think to help to understand this, it's worth reading a uh, little section, quotation of a patient of Carl Rogers that he quotes in his book, Becoming a Person, page 146. And the patient expressed himself as such. He said, I could even conceive of as a possibility that I could have a kind of tender concern for me. Still, how could I be tender, be concerned for myself when they're one and the same? But yet I can feel it so clearly. You know, like taking care of a child. You want to give it this and give it that. I can kind of see clearly the purposes for someone else, but I can never see them for myself. That I could do this for me, you know? Is it possible that I can really want to take care of myself and make that a major purpose of my life? That means I'd have to deal with the whole world as if I were guardian of the most cherished and most wanted possession. 
that this I was between this precious me that I wanted to take care of and the whole world. It's almost as if I loved myself. You know, that's strange, but it's true. It seems to bring out that a person has the capacity to relate to himself in a caring, loving way. And whatever he is doing to care for his own real needs, and even with regard to honoring, beautifying himself, can be done in a manner of respect for himself out of it being such a glorious, magnificent creation, the one that represents his creator, and being and doing it in a manner of giving, of compassion, of care, of kindness, of loving. And we find this idea also very clearly in the Malbim, in his commentary on that same verse in Mishle that the Medrash brings, where the Malbim first describes the, and defines the terminology, Ish Chesed, man of kindness, as being someone who is not dependent on some visible, external inspiration, seeing somebody in need. No, he will go, he'll pursue, he'll seek out those in need to bestow kindness to them. He's not looking for any compensation for his actions. He's purely motivated by the attribute of kindness. Then he adds, a person might think, if I'm giving away my money, there's an aspect of cruelty to myself. I'm depriving myself of my material acquisition. So he says, but nevertheless, it's full and complete kindness because I'm benefiting the soul, I'm benefiting my spiritual components which is the primary part of the person which will receive that benefit for all eternity. Now certainly it doesn't mean that it should be done in a selfish, selfish, selfish fashion of using the bestowing kindness to others as a device to be gaining for myself, but rather just to eliminate any trace of seeming harm that being inflicted on myself. It's not harming me. On the contrary, it's benefiting me. And then he adds that the word gomel, that the Pasuk starts off with, one who bestows, means one who is doing it with a powerful emotional drive, with love, with compassion, with caring. I want to benefit that soul that's been entrusted to me. I want to benefit others or to be the messenger delivering the kindness of the Almighty. Of course, he has many messengers. I would want to be the one to have that good fortune, to be the one to deliver good to others, to give to them what's been entrusted in my care for their sake, and certainly and maybe even primarily to benefit my soul that has been entrusted to me. Of course, the soul and the person are one, but we don't naturally sense our spiritual essence. Therefore, we talk in terms of, I have a soul, even though we know that that is really our true essence. And we can relate to ourselves in that manner 
of kindness and compassion in whatever we are doing, whether we are caring for our physical needs, and certainly we're caring for our spiritual needs, which is our primary existence. Whatever we are doing can take on that quality of a gift. We're not just fulfilling our obligations. We are giving to ourselves in a caring, loving manner. We are emulating the Creator in every single action that we do. We have that potential. And we find an amazing description in the Gemara Psachim, where one of the great sages of the Talmud, Rav Sheshes, the Talmud relates, would review his learning every 30 days. And then he would lean against the doorposts and he would say, he would speak to his soul and he would say, Rejoice, my soul, rejoice. I have studied the written part of the Torah for your sake. I have studied the oral law of the Torah, the abundance of explanation, commentary, clarification that's contained in the oral law. I have put in all that effort for your sake. Rejoice, my soul, you are worthy of it. So he is expressing and describing all the effort that he put in, all the knowledge that he gained as being a gift to his soul. I did it for you. Rejoice that you have received so much. Rejoice that I recognize how valuable you are. So that is describing giving to himself, even though, of course, his soul and himself are one and the same. But it needs this kind of a description, as if it would be done for another person. And in fact, Chaim Velozhin in his commentary on Ethics of the Fathers says that a person can actually be doing everything that he does in terms of performance and study of the Torah for the sake of accomplishing the ultimate reward and in a manner that it's the same as if he would be doing it for another person. To do it in a manner that I would be equally happy if someone else would get all the benefit from it. It happens to be you will accrue to me. But it can be done in a completely non-selfish manner. If we're utilizing the Torah as just a device for our own sake, that's considered for a a selfish motive. But if I'm doing it to achieve the Creator's purpose, He wants me to receive all that good, and I am emulating Him and engaging in all the methods to give myself, to create for myself, to bring about the bestowal of that good, indeed, unto myself. It can also equally be an act of pure, pristine kindness. And it can elevate all our actions to the highest, most glorious, most enjoyable kind of experience that we could ever imagine. Thank you very much.